With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Nation, Trace Trelko here. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Men's soccer battling right now in the AAC tournament. I got it on ESPN Plus. One and done for volleyball. And we take a deep dive into UCF football following the spring game. Let us welcome in the Sons of UCF, Adam and Mike. A couple of guys who always put their best feet forward. Too, too soon, Adam. I see what too you soon. did there, Trace. Yeah, no, I see what you did there. Uh, I may have a, a shattered toe, but what's not shattered is my football dreams. The spring game was fantastic. Offense looked great. Team looked great. So while my toe may be shattered, my UCF football dreams are not, Mike. Yeah, my feet were moving along fine this morning when I did my 5K race. <laughs> so at least one of us got it done. I, I will do a better job throughout the rest of the show, Adam, and try to toe the line. Ah, there we go. I don't have a laugh track or anything like that, or else I would, I'd play it. Uh, people are laughing uh, along at home. Uh, men's soccer, I mentioned, in the American Athletic Conference tournament being held at UCF. Uh, about 20 minutes into the first half, UCF and SMU, no score. The winner faces the uh, temp- uh, uh, Tulsa Golden Hurricane. We know we love uh, opportunity to face Tulsa. Tulsa beats Temple in penalty kicks. So we'll be keeping track of this one uh, in what we hope is not the last game for uh, senior goalkeeper uh, Yannick Udo, the AAC Goalkeeper of the Year, uh, and as well some other AAC awards this week, uh, UCF's Yanni Sorokin, the co-midfielder of the year. And UCF wins something called the Team Fair Play Award. They have not had a red card this season. Mind you, it's just a 10-game season, but that's still pretty impressive that they have not had a red card this season. So we'll continue to monitor that uh, as the game moves along. They started a little bit late because of the PKs uh, and the extra session uh, between Temple and Tulsa. But do you really want to face Tulsa? Jeez. 
you know, they seem to have our number in quite a few sports. I mean, we're due. Is that the only thing we got going here? We're, we got to be due for a win at some point. Maybe this is it. It would be at home at least. Right. So uh, we, I think we fare better against them at home in Tulsa. It's a nightmare in all sports. Yeah. Softball found that out just a couple weeks ago, losing three out of four at Tulsa. Uh, so that's possibly good news on the night. The, uh, the bad news is we should have been talking about volleyball moving on, but volleyball gets knocked out. First round, 3-2 to High Point uh, on Wednesday afternoon. Mike, do you remember High Point's nickname by chance? Uh, we've talked about the last <laughs> two weeks in a row. Um, was it the Panthers? Uh, there you go. I believe All that's right. correct. Very good. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Uh, this one, um, I guess, sort of unexpected. I mean, maybe you, you look down upon a High Point. You don't know much about them, uh, but... Uh, I think, Adam, you, you were watching the, the game I saw from your posts on Twitter. Uh, they were pretty stout defensively, and they had an answer for UCF. Yeah, I mean, they, don't forget, they were... Were they frozen? Is that what you're saying, that High Point was frozen? Yeah, there you go. Uh, angle on their blocks and uh, and finding ways to have hitters hit into uh, into their defense. I mean, it was just fantastic, especially that fifth set trace. They were they were essentially digging every ball, um, and UCF had no answers and they couldn't get one down. Uh, and and you know, hats off to High Point. They were a really good team. Obviously, I don't think a bunch of us had scouted High Point this year, but you know you don't become sixteen and zero on accident. Um, and I think that showed. I just learned what a dig was the other day. I heard something about OPP today was uh, a volleyball term. I know it is something else, but, and you know, I try to watch this thing on ESPN plus like you always rave about how great it is. I tried at work. Wasn't coming on. I clicked on it like four times. Couldn't get to watch anything. It was on ESPN, ESPN three. three or whatever. You know, what I, mean. I was using the app. I, I know I found the, the, the broadcast. I clicked on UCF high point. It just didn't come on the screen. There's actually a weird quirk. I've had that happen. Mike, where if it's on ES, ESPN three, it's not on the app for some reason. I don't know. I can't, I can't help you there. That seems like something that they should figure out. I don't seem to understand why we need an ESPN three. Um, but high point, by the way, advanced to play Purdue, got swept by Purdue today. So um, that would have been UCF's matchup. So I don't know how UCF would have fared against Purdue, but couldn't get past high point. Now high point's gone. As you can imagine, emotions very raw following the loss. Uh, had opportunity to catch up with Head coach Todd Dagenet, he described the emotions in the locker room following the loss. You know, the disappointment is off the charts. Um, there might be a sense of letting down. I, I know I feel a sense of, you know, letting people down. I'm sure that they do as well. Um, there's a sense of, um, you know, they didn't, maybe individually, they didn't play their very best. Um, you know, and there's a, a, a guilt that goes along with that, but that's sports. I mean, sometimes you're not going to play your best. This sport is nasty when it comes to finding a person that's not playing at the top of their game. Um, but there's nothing for us to hang our heads about. Yeah, you hear that, Mike? Nothing to hang their heads about. I can almost hear you saying hot seat for Todd Dagenet with a one and done <laughs> with the early exit. I know how you are. I mean, show it to me when it counts, man. Let's win some of these ball games, right? We, we we talked about how we should be ranked higher or have a better seed than we were. Like uh, Purdue was getting a free pass, and Purdue wiped the floor with High Point. We couldn't beat High Point. Results. I'm a results-based guy. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you can't run them. Remember, before the uh, COVID season of 2020 was uh, dashed to the spring, they did win an opening round NCAA tournament game uh, a year plus ago. So he has had success. So no, no hot seat, no warm seat. I'm not sure that's going to save Johnny Dawkins or Greg Lovelady from your list, but uh, you should give Todd Dagenet a break for a little while longer. Yeah, no, I'm, I was just messing around. He's done a great job for the last few years. So. But yeah. next year, if we don't get past the first round, then ooh, it gets hot. Yeah, it seems like he's really stabilized the volleyball program there, Trace. And, and yeah, I guess you can look at this season and say we, we could have done more, we should have done more. Um, but ultimately, these things happen. This is why this is a tournament. It's a, it's a fluky thing. It's a, it's a one-game, you know, loser-go-home situation. And if you don't have it on that night or that day, uh, these kind of things happen. It's unfortunate. But I think the body of work shows that uh, Coach Dagenet has, has the volleyball program in the right direction. Um, but at some point, results are going to be needed. So I guess we'll, we'll see uh, what that takes. But uh, I, I think he's certainly got his point in the right direction. And it helps to have McKenna Melville. She is a standout Southeast All-Region team from the American Volleyball Coaches Association. When you have her coming back, along with some other very talented players, uh, they'll be a contender again. When the season returns, presumably uh, this fall, so they're going to have that quick turn just a couple of months before they get ready for the, uh, the fall season. Let's shift now to uh, football, the spring game. I know uh, you guys talked a little bit about it on Monday's pod. Uh, I asked on uh, Twitter, what are the biggest takeaways that you have from the spring game? And at UCF Uni Tracker said, even with just the base offensive package, it was a breath of fresh air seeing Dylan rolling out of the pocket on the move, throwing over the middle of the field. There was a great deal of the middle of the field used during that spring game. Yeah, I talked about on the show, uh, my biggest takeaway, Trace, is the groan meter. I've come up with the groan meter, uh, and, and I'll explain it to you quickly. So I feel like under Hypel, we had five to seven plays a game where we would just go, oh, what, what do we do? What was that, right? It typically didn't matter much because we were usually blowing teams out, so we were winning by 30, so the groan meter wasn't that big a deal. Under the under the one spring game I saw, and I will, I will couch all this by saying, yes, it's a spring game. It was an exhibition. It was really a scrimmage. I didn't have any groan moments. I didn't have any moments where I had to put my hand in my head and I was shaking my head and I was cursing at my 13-year-old. I didn't have any of those moments. So whether or not that's just a function of it being a scrimmage, I don't know. But my biggest takeaway was it just looked like – it looked like yeah, yeah, two weeks ago or maybe two months ago, whatever it was, Taj McGowan, former UCF running back, came on Twitter and said something to the effect of, imagine UCF's offense if we just ran our two-point conversion plays. And we all kind of we stuck to that goal. We stuck to that that you know sort of that line of thinking. And it felt like I was watching that kind of offense on Saturday. Now whether that'll hold true, it was the whole package. I don't know. But my biggest takeaway was a very few groan moments, which uh, which I certainly can get used to. It's a more of a regular style of offense with quarterback under center, like you mentioned, Dylan Gabriel. Not always in the shotgun. We're not always just throw, chucking the ball deep. Not a gimmicky offense. We're going to have it mixed up, throwing over the middle, just like everybody's been saying. That's what we are got to look forward to going forward, and I like it. I like that kind of style better than just the bomb and then sideline pass and run up the middles. 
Yeah, not much of a deep ball during this game, and we saw some versatility from Dylan Gabriel, who uh, also caught the pass. I'm not sure we want to see him doing much of that, except on some trickery. Uh, you see a great deal of confidence in him, though, especially in the post-game media sessions, uh, certainly becoming the leader of this team. And uh, we spoke uh, about the changes in the offense with several of the players, and uh, I thought Dylan's uh, window into some of those changes was interesting. Man, there's so many. I just, I just love, you know, the way, you know, we're able to throw outbreakers, the way, you know, we're able to, you know, get outside the pocket, uh, go under center, just a lot of different things that, you know, uh, defense has to prepare for, and that's something, you know, that's, that's pretty tricky for a defense. And, um, you know, when we go out there and, and able to do that, uh, it's a fun offense playing. So. And remember, as uh, Coach Malzahn said, just about 60% of the offense and defense installed. They wanted to keep it simple this spring. So we didn't see much, but uh, from what I saw, I liked what I saw. Uh, first off, shout out to former UCF Knight Trey Neal, who seems to like the groan meter as an option. Trey, good to good to have you listening in. But uh, Dylan looked comfortable. I mean, obviously, it was it was you know probably his first time really running uh, some of these plays. Obviously, he's he's learned this over the over the springtime. He looked comfortable. I mean, he made really good throws. He had a, a beautiful throw trace. He threaded the needle perfectly to Ryan O'Keefe for a touchdown. Uh, he really enjoyed, uh, I think, the offense based on what he told us. Uh, he seemed happy out there. He seemed he seemed relaxed. He seemed calm. Again, spring game, so it's a scrimmage. I get it. But uh, he definitely seemed comfortable, um, and he definitely seemed more in charge than I feel like I saw last year. Maybe that's just hyperbole on my part, but I feel like he looked more in charge than last year. And that's only going to get better as the summer progresses and he's working with these guys on the side. I'm sure they'll be able to go through the playbook for the next couple months and improve by the time fall camp gets here. He'll be like he's been in this offense for two years. And Grown Meter, can we get one of those hats made? A Grown Meter hat? Is that possible? <laughs> The yeah, you're the hat guy, Mike. Yeah, you're the hat man around here. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to rely on you for that merchandise. I'll work on it this week. Grown meter. You need to trademark that too in some Done. capacity. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the people that was covering this game, we're gonna bring in now. He's Andrew Glukov. He writes for the Black and Gold Banneret. You can find him at Statboy Drew on Twitter, and he writes a column after UCF football games called the Knee Jerk Reactions, and did so again on this one. Andrew, thanks for joining us on the Sons of UCF Live. Let's begin by talking about quarterbacks. We knew what we were going to get from Dylan Gabriel, but what I'm most interested in is maybe a battle for the backup quarterback position. We saw a little glimpse of, uh, of that developing. Well, yeah, obviously, Quadri Jones is going to be the number two guy. He's got the experience. The, the part that gets interesting is who's the third string guy? Uh, you have Parker Navarro, the holdover, and you have Mikey Keene, the new guy. And I, you know, we watch both of them in action. Parker Navarro is a better athlete. He can run. He can. He's much more shifty. He has to learn to throw the ball away. But I'll be honest. I was more impressed with Mikey Keene. Uh, he was more accurate. And in the first half, when his offensive line was nothing more than Swiss cheese to the defensive ones, he was still uh, what was it? Six for nine for twenty nine yards. That, that shows accuracy on his throws. Yeah, they didn't move the ball much, but what are you going to do when you have zero protection? And in the second half, he was 7-8 for 70 yards, and that's when uh, when they moved the rosters around, and he wasn't facing against the ones anymore. Uh, that shows that he's built for this kind of offense. You don't have to have a cannon of an arm to run the Gus Malzahn offense. It has a lot of crosses, drag routes, button hooks, stops, stuff that's in the middle two-thirds of the field without having to go 
down, you know, 30, 40 yards in the air. And, and I think a player like Keen who can who can handle himself in the pocket is going to be a really good fit. And, you know, I, I'm going to recklessly speculate because, you know, I, I'm a guess and I can. I, based on the quarterback class that's going in the draft, if Dylan Gabriel has a good season, he's going in the draft because this is a thin quarterback draft. So I think this the, the race for number three is going to be really important for 2022. So you think Quadri is a lock to be the backup? You're you're certain of that? I think so for at least part of the season. You you can't you can't replace experience. Uh, he has game experience and, and and enough meaningful experience more than than the other players. And, and you can't replicate that. I mean, look at a player like R.J. Harvey, who's physically gifted but is still learning the trade of running back. He was a converted quarterback. Uh, he's not quite ready yet. He's shown glimpses. And as Gus Malzahn said during the press conference, every time he carried the ball, he got a little bit, got more and more comfortable, but he still needs development. And I think he's also another player who's going to be outstanding in 2022. And they may keep him back a little bit in 2021 to continue that development. All right, Andrew. So uh, whoever's a quarterback has to has to throw the football to somebody, right? So a lot of receivers kind of moving around out there. Who do you project to be the top four? So obviously, typically UCF will try to have four wides. Who are the top four wides for you that you saw so far in the spring? Well, I mean, Ryan O'Keefe just blew everyone out of the water, and and he was pointed out as being a breakout guy by by Coach Wyatt uh, early on, and he put in a lot of time with with Dylan Gabriel throwing sessions, film sessions. And the way this passing offense is designed, it's perfect for a shifty guy with agility. And that's what Ryan O'Keefe brings to the table is he's got very quick legs, not only burner speed, but he can change directions. And that's huge. Uh, you watched the spring game. The, the throws were in traffic. Uh, they, there was not huge amount of separation. But when you have an accurate quarterback like Dylan Gabriel, you don't need a lot of space. That's where Jalen Robinson struggled as he had a problem breaking off on those shorter routes his specialty was always deep routes well he's gonna have to keep working over the next few months to kind of kind of tune his game and i think he can do it plus you have uh, amari johnson who who's really coming along uh you know i as far as a fourth wide receiver uh, i'll be honest i think you're going to see mostly three wide receiver sets is with the you know the incorporation of the tight end with jake hescock Last time I checked, the first pass of the game was a completion to a tight end over the middle. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see too many four wide receiver sets unless things get really, really bad. What about the running backs? We have a big stable of running backs. We try to talk about on the show this week which four we think are going to get the most carries. I don't even know, man. We got a couple of transfers coming in. Who do you see have, coming into the fall as the top couple of running backs? Well, Bentavious Thompson is going to be your presumed starter, and he has recovered from some injuries in the offseason, lost about 20 pounds. And as he told uh, us when we were uh, in an interview, he's no longer about the size factor. He's more about the speed factor. So uh, Yusef's going to need a bruising back, and it really depends how Bowser comes into the offense. If he can embrace it and really step in, he's going to be that, that bruiser back that UCF needs. If not, R.J. Harvey is going to get pushed forward because you need a guy with some power, and UCF hasn't had that since Taj McGowan. And it showed in 2019 and 2020, those, those short yardage were, was, was hard to find. Uh, as far as beneath that, uh, I really like you know, uh, you know, 
Johnny Rockets. I'm gonna I want to call him call him Johnny Rocket at this point, but uh, Johnny Richardson has almost Adrian Killen's speed. He's a little more shifty as far as left and right. Uh, I, I would love to see more of him. And, and then you've got uh, the the young guys in in back. You know, Trillian Coles, Demarius Good. They're gonna get buried in the depth chart, unfortunately. Uh, as far as this year, but you know, I think that's actually the most complete position UCF has is your running backs. There, there's just so many to choose from, and there can be only one. It's like the Highlander. <laughs> well, there could be a couple, I think, right? Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll let a couple slide, but I'm, I, come on, I want to throw a Highlander in there. <laughs> Plus the transfers, of course, also will yeah, factor and, and, into the mix in the fall. Yeah, Bowser is the, is the big one. I think he has the best chance of really jumping in there. Uh, his name escapes me, but the the, the guy from Auburn can Mark really Anthony. squeeze in there. Uh, yeah, Anthony. But uh, you, it's going to take you – know, even though he's coming from a Malzahn-based offense, it's going to take a little bit of time to to incorporate with, with the rest of the team chemistry. And and you, you can't replicate – it's like experience. You can't replicate chemistry. You know, You may have all the physical talents in the world, but if you don't fit, you don't fit. So it's going to take time. But as far as the guys coming in right now, uh, if I had to, to rate four, I would put Thompson, Bowser, uh, Richardson, and then Harvey. Let's talk about the offensive line during the great success of the 2017 season. Mackenzie Milton didn't go down too many times, not too many sacks that season. What do you like about the offensive line as you saw in Saturday's spring game? Well, the ones look, they look solid. Uh, the one offensive line looks looks pretty good. And my big observation, pray nothing happens to Matt Lee, the starting center, because uh, the depth goes downhill fast. And now Coach Herb Ham probably sees this, and he's been cross-training players to play other positions. Well, I, when I was younger and guys were not nearly as big and I actually was closer in size to them, I played center, and it is by far the hardest offensive line position to play because of the requirements of line calls that you have to look at that other positions don't, you know, the left tackle doesn't have to pay attention. Who's running, uh, who's rushing against the right tackle, but the center does. And, you know, you need that, that mental training and, and the experience that comes with, we also need to be able to snap the ball. And that's what really, really made me cringe during the spring game is the second and third string centers that ball was was a dead duck going from you know from snap to quarterback. I mean, the quarterback, be it Parker Navarro or or Quadri Jones, lost half to a whole second waiting on the play, waiting for that ball just to get in their hands. Uh, you can't do that. You got to find a way to get the ball down and get it faster. Matt Lee's got it down, and you know everyone gave him a lot of grief early in the year when he was. A new player still trying to adapt to a to a, a really fast system that's really hard if you can't get a rhythm. What what end what does he end up doing? Uh, all conference first team. He, he's pretty good. Uh, the the rest of the line, Sam Jackson, Cole Schneider. It's a very solid group. Uh, they just need to stay healthy. All right, let's talk defense for a second, Andrew. Uh, so obviously, new coordinator, a lot of uh, a lot of new guys coming, particularly the secondary. Where are you at with the defense? Are are they at where you expected, above where you expected, or below where you expected? Well, during the last press conference at the spring game, Gus Malzahn said they've only installed about sixty percent 
of the defense so far. And, and it was apparent. It was a very basic defense. Uh, I did see them move move around a little bit. Uh, I did see a dime package run with Tatum Bethune being your lone linebacker. And, and that's a lot to ask from him. But uh, I'll tell you, he's one of my breakout defensive players. Uh, he has done it all and has a gung-ho attitude of, I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And, and he's got the physical talent to, to back it. I, I, I don't see, at least from, from this point, uh, a lot of gimmick as far as the defensive side. But the part of that is because it's still a work in progress. I, I think we'll see uh, some some wrinkles come Boise State. You know, you wish there was a, a tune-up game ahead of that. But, you know, might as well have two first-time, you know, fir- first coaching games, uh, you know, Primetime ESPN most likely on a on a I'm guessing going to be a Thursday night based on how the Friday schedule is shaping up for them. When Malzahn was hired, some people weren't sure, but now it seems everybody loves Malzahn. How many losses is it going to take before everybody jumps off the gust bus? <laughs> well, oh, for boy. you, one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did a couple of articles as far as looking at at. Uh, uh, guys to come in as coaching. And and I'd like to point out that both articles highlight picture was Gus Malzahn. Uh, He was a guy I was looking at from day one uh, as a very intriguing pickup. One, he had no buyout. I mean, he's sitting on $21 million uh, of scratch from Auburn, no strings attached, no offset, nothing. So, I mean, he's coming here because he wants to coach. And I think we as fans have to have a realistic expectation of Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, I think two, three losses is is very reasonable. Uh, I mean, it could be better, it could be worse, uh, but I, I think two losses is kind of is kind of your your mark right there because I mean things happen. You know, look at UCF 2019. That was probably the most talented out of the 17 to 19 run, top to bottom. And they managed to to fall on their face more than once. I mean, football's a game of inches. Uh, UCF during the 25-game win streak barely squeaked out of a number of them. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And they're going to need some lucky bounces. Kalia Davis, he's sort of the spring story, right, uh, taking the uh, COVID year last year. You see him emerging as the team leader on defense? Well, yes and no. Uh, he, he does say he's not a talker. He likes to let his actions do the talking. And as a as a leader, uh, you need a guy who's willing to talk a little bit. So he's going to be, you know, the silent assassin. He's just going to go there and just absolutely destroy offensive lines. Multiple players on offense and defense during spring practices called him out and said, hey, this guy's been tearing it up. Uh, look, he, he played the Wildcat and, you know, and it did great. You know, he had that that fun carry. He had a lot of, a lot of fun doing it. He got a first down. And, you know, I'd like to point out, he was a running back in high school. Malzahn said, we're going to see that again. Uh, I'd like to see that again. I mean, come on. Uh, A 200-plus, you know, defensive lineman who knows how to make cuts into the gaps, running on a short yardage situation. I mean, that's that's terrifying, you know, for opponents. But as as far as a defensive leader, I I think Tatum Bethune is going to be your guy. he has this intensity when he, when he's talking, I mean, he's just, he's there. I mean, he's, you know, in your face, you know, he has this energy that, that just makes you want to focus on him. Uh, Clea Davis. I mean, he, he's just a fun loving guy. I, I think he's going to be kind of the, 
the the opposite of of Bethune of trying to okay don't take it too intense let's let's also have a good time I think they're going to actually work well with each other Andrew how concerned are you with the kicking game obviously Obarski missed an extra point misses a field goal we saw Osteen with a bit of a a bit of a shankopotamus on the sideline there how concerned are you with the kicking game well uh, Osteen you know that that was an off game for him he had a pretty good season last year this is just it was just off i mean he would go from a 51 yard punt to a 20 yard complete dud uh, I, i'm not too worried about him it was just a bad day uh, daniel obarski uh, this was more of the same from last year i mean the first field goal that was not an easy kick and he didn't miss it by much but that extra point he just absolutely uh you know, failed miserably and it it was discouraging i mean you have a transfer coming in from Appalachian State, but he never has done, he's never kicked in college. So the, the question is, who's actually going to be more accurate when it comes to game time? Uh, I don't think Obarski is going to be your your place kicker for field goals and extra points for much longer. If, and I'm terrible with names, forgive me. Um, if, uh, what's it, Riker, Ryder? Riker Casey, yeah. Riker, okay. If, sounds if like a kicker, kicker, doesn't he, Mike? Sounds like a kicker. Does, doesn't he? <laughs> he does, doesn't <laughs> uh, But if he comes in and he has uh, half as much poise as he's shown in, in kicking videos, uh, he's going to be your guy with points on the line. Uh, Obaris has got a cannon for a leg. He's a great kickoff specialist, but he can't kick straight. So you know what? Make him the kickoff guy again. I think we're all really looking forward to the opener, obviously, against Boise State. Do you plan on making any trips to road games? Do you have anything planned? What's your game you're looking forward to besides the opener? Oh, well, I mean, that Louisville game is definitely one that, that you know, I've got circled as, you know, let, let's let's enjoy this one. I You know, those Cardinal fans, they want revenge. I mean, we as UCF, we stole their BCS bowl game right from underneath them. I mean, there, there's some deep-seated anger. So uh, I, I'm really looking forward to that one outside of Boise State. Uh, but, it, you know, I can't think outside of Texas in 2007 a more hotly anticipated season opener than Boise State in 2021. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on that one, but I, I can't think of a more uh, highly anticipated matchup. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we might open up with FCS schools a lot, so – you may be right on the money on that one. We were in quite a few post-practice scrums together, uh, Andrew, and you could tell that the players' uh, theme reoccurring was the buy-in, especially on the defensive side, right, with uh, Coach T. Will. Uh, what sort of difference maker do you think he can be uh, after the uh, tenure of Randy Shannon and what seems to have been a bit of a divide between the offense and defensive sides of the building? Well, let's highlight one thing. Randy Shannon was not a Josh Heupel hire. He was a Danny White hire. So there was already a natural disconnect. Uh, and it only grew as time went on. You know, each one kind of did their own thing. And as a result, there was a lack of that cohesive family that that you want out of a team. You know, you know, I played on a team. You know, I've been, I've been, I wrestled, I played football. Uh, you know, team camaraderie is vital. Uh, if you don't have that chemistry, that trust, that morale booster, uh, it's gonna it's gonna hit you eventually. Uh, uh, T. Will is just uh, absolutely great when it comes to connecting with players, and that's not a slight on Randy Shannon because I think Randy Shannon got dealt a, a rough ha hand of cards. 
Uh, he worked with what he had last year I, with the opt-outs, losing you know multiple players on your two deep, uh, losing more to suspensions, having to throw freshmen into the fire. Uh, you know, it's not like the NFL where you can find guys and retool. You're stuck with what you got. And with the offense basically either having a really fast scoring drive or a three and out, those that team wasn't made to handle that much, you know, on field time. And I, I don't, I don't blame him for the wheels falling off. I really don't. Uh, there was a lot of other moving parts behind the scenes, uh, as we've seen since uh, Coach Heupel ha- has left the, the building. But you know, you talk about the family. Uh, Herb Hand, you know, is big about you know being dudes and and you know, buying in on that. And, you know, you interview a bunch of players and they all say the same thing. Uh, I feel a family connection that that word has popped up many times. And and I think we're going to see a boost in morale that, that we haven't seen in a couple years because yeah, winning cures everything, uh, but it, it, it's all just a mask for deep seated problems. When the winning stops, like it did in 2020, all that rotten stuff comes up to the surface. And, and I think hitting the reset button and bringing in a very player-oriented guy like, like T-Will and, and Coach Han and keeping a holdover that was really well-liked like Coach Wyatt is going to pay dividends for this team uh, for years to come. I think the other name we hear a ton about, uh, Andrew, is Coach Dawson from the strength program. What do you think he brings to UCF? What, I guess, from, from your perspective, how does the strength and the conditioning program um, help the, the team overall? And what do you think he brings that we can look forward to in the, in the field in 2021? I, I think to say that he's been brought up a lot is an understatement. I think he's been brought up more than any other specific coach in the entire roster, even more so than, than Coach Melzahn. Uh, you know, Strength and conditioning, especially in Florida, is is huge. Uh, you want to take that heat and humidity and, and all the nasty stuff that we love about Florida and turn it into a weapon and, and just, just club other players with it. And, and one of the things that Coach Malzahn said is during spring practice, they were less about installing and more about bringing these guys into condition. Uh, when they walked in the door, players were out of shape, you know, they didn't have a great off-season program because they had no coaching staff, and and it showed. So the first two weeks of spring was about beating them in the shape, and, and you know what? The players, they all bought into it, and they all loved the way that Coach Dawson handled things and pushed them, and it, it, was, it became like a symbiotic relationship. Uh, Coach Dawson pushing the players, buying in, and actually enjoying being pushed, which makes them want to work harder, which makes Coach Dawson push them harder, and it just continues this cycle in a positive way. It's known that you have an incredible number of UCF jerseys, right? I think you have a closet full of them. Which Hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's more time. Here we go. There, there, there's the closet right there. Forget the right. My office is a repository of all unwanted things. <laughs> What's the next one you're getting? Who's the guy on the team today that you don't have that you're bought, you're looking forward to buying next? Well, I, I don't, I don't have. To, to be honest, I don't have much modern stuff like anything from 16 on because they haven't been made available. I'm, over time, you kind of become a little bit of a Jersey snob. You know, you don't buy the replicas or the knockoffs. And by the way, there's a very big difference between the two. Uh, I, I go for the team issues or the or the game use, and so I'm I'm eagerly waiting for that that 
that yard sale that's supposed to come out next in the next month or so. And I'm dying to find a way to get in there because I need more. <laughs> and, and what's the count now? I think I saw on your Twitter 50. Was that right? Um, that's for team issued or game or, or game used for um, all sports for UCF. Uh, it's about 56. Uh, I've, I've expanded in other sports. I've uh, got some minor league ones. Uh, I, I love getting some of the minor league one-off jerseys like the Fresno Tacos or or the the Lehigh Valley cheese steaks, you know, when they change names from the Iron Pigs. Uh, the the one-offs are great, but as far as UCF goes, I'm about 56 right now. Uh, if you want to count, I bought one from the eSports team. Uh, if you want to count that, that makes 57. I mean, it's really, really nice. Uh, they got them on sale on their on their team website right now. I got, you know, one personalized because, you know, why not? It's 10 extra dollars. Go for it. Do you have a uh, hockey jersey? I've got a few. Uh, I think I have uh, two or three. UCF hockey. UCF hockey. Yes. Uh, I think I have two or three UCF hockey jerseys. I got a couple across. I mean, if I had the love uh, cable, I would walk this camera over there um, and, and just take a look. I've got a bunch of football, basketball. Uh, I even got yeah, – I've got a Dexter Lions jersey. That was one of my favorites. Uh, and, you know, I've got – uh, a bunch of baseball ones, even some soccer ones. I, uh, when they had the the Citronaut soccer jerseys and baseball jerseys for sale, I nabbed one of each of those, one men's and women's and a baseball. Uh, I love those. Uh, some of them I can wear. Some of them I, I don't quite fit. You know, my girl's figure doesn't doesn't support it. Uh, <laughs> in other words, I need to lose a lot of weight. <laughs> what about Charlie Hewlett? You got Charlie Hewlett? No, but, man, I, I, I would give Charlie Hewlett money to get a hold of one of his Browns jerseys. Aside from being a third-generation Clevelander, uh, I was a long snapper growing up, and I nearly walked on to UCF um, during between 2002 and 2003 because their long snapper was terrible, and I thought about doing it, but I psyched myself out because in high school I had both my shoulders reconstructed and couldn't bench press anymore, and I didn't think they would take me seriously. So I, I psyched myself out from doing it, but I have a deep love for long snappers. He's one of the highest-paid ones in the league, and he plays for my team, you know, my childhood team. Oh, man, that what a combination! I, I I I would give someone else's left arm to <laughs> to to get a hold of one of his jerseys. Maybe somebody's left foot. Was it the left foot, Adam, or the right foot? Is it? It's the right trade. Thanks for asking. Still yeah, too soon. Sorry, yeah. still too soon. Oh, we'll take Andrew, that toe. We'll send that toe off. You'll never have to worry about it again. <laughs> uh, Andrew, let us wrap up with this. Uh, biggest question that you still have in your mind on offense and defense as we have a couple of months to mull over this first Gus Malzahn spring. What do we still not have clarity about that you're concerned about? Uh, well, on offense, it's the, the it's the adjustment of Jalen Robinson from an air raid offense to, to more of a conventional you know, short-range offense. And if he can make – the move that requires more stop and go agility uh, as opposed to just flat out burn you. On defense, uh, I have to go back to, to linebacker depth. The, that was something that, that really hurt last year. I mean, right now you've got uh, three really good linebackers right now, um, Eric Gilliard, Tatum Bethune, and, and Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste. Uh, it gets a little quiet once you get below that. And, you know, that was an area that UCF got absolutely slaughtered on is is linebacking because they constantly ran the nickel. You had two linebackers on the field that were basically required to cover the whole thing, and they couldn't do it. And while they used Aaron Robinson occasionally as a third linebacker, you don't have that anymore. So you need a third 
more traditional linebacker. Well, you have two or three on the field. Injuries happen. There, there goes your depth. So uh, linebacker depth is my other question mark going into the fall. He is Andrew Glukov. He writes for the Black and Gold Banneret. You can find him at Statboy Drew. And he ends his knee-jerk reaction columns with a line that goes to something like this, right? Sorry, this isn't my best. I'll try harder next time. We think you did pretty good tonight. Well, thank you. The story behind that was from that first game in 2020. Uh, the SB Nation writer for Georgia Tech wrote this hack of a piece, this terrible hack job, and claimed at the end, "Sorry, it wasn't my best." You know, I'll, you know, or sorry, it was my best. And you know, I, I decided that you know what, I'm I'm going to play with that. Sorry, it wasn't my best. And despite you know, I'll be honest, I'm going to pat myself on the back. My work's better than his. Uh, but you know, I'm always trying to do better. Uh, people have pointed out things I've I've made mistakes. You know, things you know slip through. Uh, I'm always looking to get better, so I'll try harder next time. All right, Mr. Modesty. Thanks for stopping by the Sons of UCF Live. We hope to see you again here. Uh, happy to be here anytime, guys. At Statboy Drew on the back of one of his 56, 57 jerseys. What about you guys? How many do you have? How many do you have? I have a Schneider. I have a, uh, a bootleg Milton. And then a just like a... <laughs> Yeah, and there's, there's a couple of just uh, generic ones like uh, to have the number one on it. Yeah, I don't have any UCF jerseys. I think I have two total jerseys. I don't think I have any UCF jerseys. You have one right the, behind you. The one right behind you. Uh, I, I don't. I don't wear that though. That's not. <laughs> that's not for. I, well, I don't know if Andrew actually has any of his that he frames. I, I don't really know. I, I imagine he might have. No, yes, he he's still in the chat. He's saying no frame jerseys. So all of his are wearable jersey attire. Uh, I, he's been around just as long as us, Andrew. Right? He looks. He's around right around the same time as us. The only suggestion I have to him, he did a great job tonight. Stat boy, Drew. I, I think he needs to change the stat man, Drew. Hold on, I'm sorry, I, guys. I hate to interrupt you. He's he's now taking us to the closet here. I have to. <laughs> I have to get this back on the stream here, Andrew. You're back. I don't know if you can hear us, Andrew, but you're back on. There we go. Uh, yeah. Some basketball. Yeah. There it is. Oh, there are the football ones. Okay. Do you wear them? That's a, How long does it take you to decide which back. one to go with? I think he took his headphones off. I don't think he can actually hear us, so we can make fun of him <laughs> if you want to. Football, football. Jonah's next week while we go through yeah. Eric Lopez's cover only <laughs> on the Sons of UCF. Well, we just uh, did that with Sammy Kincaid uh, with our hats on the wall. So it's, we did. Look at that. Quite the right. collection. There, 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 there goes Andrew. <laughs> there goes Andrew, the connection. All right. Ah, that's good stuff. 57 jerseys. How about that? Soccer, you flashed the score, Adam. 0-0, UCF and SMU. They are at the half on ESPN+. Plus. The uh, Speaking of ESPN, they're out with their power football index. They don't seem to like us very much in this thing, do they? They have us the 70th best team in 1A or FBS. Seven and a half wins predicted. I got to go with the over, even though Andrew's got two or three losses in there. I, I got to go with the over. That's seven and a half wins. Come on. Yeah, I don't know how official these stats are. Obviously, every year they, they do these kind of things. And listen, if we're going to be completely honest, looking at the roster we had last year, not knowing what's coming in, not knowing the development you get under Malzahn, I get how you might be a little bit down on the team based off what you saw last year. I know we lost a lot of key players, particularly on the defensive side. So if there are pundits out there who want to be a little bit skeptical about UCF, I think we have to accept that because I do think, obviously, we underperformed last year. Um, we don't know what's coming back in some spots on the team. 
I think this is a tad too low. Like I, I think I've said on the show before, we're probably number two, um, at least in my mind, behind Cincinnati. So this seems a little low, but I also don't fault people for having a little bit of skepticism based on what we did last year and who we are losing as we uh, take the field this year. The FPI is created by a bunch of nerds in a room that just look at how much, how many players are returning, right? So we lost a lot of our receivers. Basically, that's a lot of production and some running backs. Basically, we're losing a lot of starters, so they factor that in. Oh, we have a new head coach. Let's factor that in. Last year, our RPI was like top 10, I think, and we saw how well that went. It means nothing, but it's just another thing to talk about, I guess. And eight, seven and a half wins. I mean, if we win less than eight games, I th like I said, I think everybody's off the Gus bus. Well, we know you are. It doesn't take much, <laughs> really. Uh, some big moves announced today by the NCAA Division I Council adopting a one-time transfer rule. That's interesting. And lifting re the recruiting dead period, effective June 1. So uh, you can see that those changes are going to, uh, to be impactful on, uh, on college football and soon. Yeah, this is going to be interesting because I, I think in my mind, I wonder how much the group of five teams will benefit from this, right? Because I think out of high school, you typically see the, you know, the kids want to go to power five schools, the big name schools. And every year we see a bunch of kids who are leaving those schools because they're third or fourth on the depth chart and four star, five star guy. So you wonder if, if the group of five quote unquote schools like a UCF will benefit from this. Obviously the only concern, if we're going to be selfish that we all would have is our great player who has a great season, and then maybe our record isn't great, and all of a sudden a school graduates their quarterback, a.k.a. like a Dylan Gabriel, and they go, hey, why don't you come to Oklahoma? You can play for us. Or why don't you come to USC? We're a quarterback away. I think that's the part that probably scares all of the the little guy, that the big guy will come in and steal their best player. And I think ultimately this probably helps the group of five schools more than it actually hurts them. Well, talking with Jake Brown this week, he mentioned how we haven't seen a lot of people leave UCF. We've had a lot of guys transfer in and make big impacts. We've seen a, out of a, a number of guys, not too many people leave. Mackenzie Milton is a different situation with the whole quarterback thing, but usually people stay. And if we're winning, I'm not scared of people transferring up. UCF also announcing on its Twitter, 92% of season tickets sold less than 3000 remain. It's just April. You got to like the chances that they can move tickets and be at a uh, announced sellout uh, of season tickets before that opener against Boise state. You know, one thing I don't know, Trace, I feel like if I have this correct, I thought Heupel had a clause in his contract that essentially got him more money the more season tickets or the more the stadium was sold out. Yeah. I doubt Malzahn has something like that in his contract. But either way, Malzahn has done a 10 times better job of promoting UCF in his like three weeks here than Heupel did in his three years here. So kudos to Malzahn, the billboards, all the things he's saying, uh, all the different quotes he's given and, and you know the jersey name thing that got a lot of attention. Uh, in his, his short time here, he's done more to promote um, UCF. You would think he'd have a clause in his contract about season tickets uh, because it certainly never, never seemed to come that way under Heupel. Obviously, COVID played a huge factor last season. And now with the vaccine becoming more available to everybody, people are a little less scared. A lot of people are excited to get back in. I wonder how many people now we're going to start seeing buying new season tickets. Second half underway. Eric Lopez, his message flashing earlier, would like to hear some play-by-play -play guys. So you, you, you got the soccer game on, Mike? Can you, can you give us anything? You the only have screen to... I have is you guys' beautiful faces. Uh, I don't else. Wow. So nice. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Eric Lopez, we uh, we go around the kingdom on uh, softball. How about softball last night? Big win over the Florida Gators. They sweep the Gators. That's three top five wins 
for softball. They had a flat tire on their bus on the way up to Gainesville. Nah, no big deal. Start a little late and uh, and uh, take out the Gators in Gainesville. Gotta like that. I'm just glad you didn't go with the, the beautiful Eric Lopez segue there, Trace, first of all. Uh, secondly, we own the Gators, right? I think that's I mean, enough said, right? We own the Gators uh, and <laughs> uh, in softball. We are the, we are the, we're the champs. We own the Gators. And we swept them this year. The best team in the state, I think, undeniably. Uh, I forget what our record is. I think we've lost two games in the state, but we're like 17-2 and two or 11-2. Um, and just a dominant win last night. Shut them out. They only had, what, three hits? A tremendous performance, and we blew them out from the first inning on. So that, it's always great when you beat up on the Gators. And they're on a roll. They swept ECU prior to that. Uh, pitcher Aaliyah White, the AAC Pitcher of the Week. This is a big one coming up now. Uh, over the weekend, beginning Friday against Wichita State, UCF is nine and three in league play, thirty and nine overall. But they're looking up at Wichita State. So, in speaking with uh, Eric Lopez, he mentions that Wichita State at twenty-five, UCF at twenty-three, first top twenty-five matchup in AAC history uh, between two softball teams. And uh, Eric thinks that uh, UCF really has to take three out of four at home, or they may not be able to catch Wichita State, who's a pretty powerful team. So. Uh, big doings. It's a uh, Friday game, Saturday doubleheader, and a Sunday matchup. Softball, uh, having a good season, but this is a big early AAC matchup where they've got to they've got to really take three out of four. Yeah, I would say they've been up and down, right? I think we we were very hot, and then we had a couple of a uh, couple of thuds uh, throughout the middle part of the season. Good opportunity in front of the home fans to uh, uh, to put more of that softball magic out there. I think we, this has been a team that's had some really big magical moments. They've come up in big games. Uh, they seem to like the bright lights, maybe a little bit more than the doldrums of Tulsa. So perhaps this is an opportunity for them to to get out and shine in this four game series. And and obviously they've they've come through, and we've uh, maybe not expected they would in the past. So. Maybe they kind of like their backs against the wall with a little bit of pressure, and that's maybe what you get this weekend. I love the depth out of the starting pitching. The offense has been great, and I'm really looking forward to some more Eric Lopez calls this weekend. Maybe we get a couple walk-offs in there, and maybe I'll throw in another one of my daughter's highlights. He's always good for one of those. I think he's now charging, Mike, by the way. That whole uh, experiment <laughs> uh, calling your daughter's game is taking off now. He's making money on is, the side. Is Elo on is Elo on Cameo now? Is that what's going on? <laughs> I can pay him with a hat. Does he want a hat? <laughs> He'd probably take a hat. Yeah. Uh, there we go. Perfect. Uh, so, you know, what they have to do, though, is they have to adjust after winning in Gainesville and then this very important AAC series and not look ahead to when the U.S. women's national team comes to UCF Tuesday, 5 o'clock at the UCF softball complex. That is a pretty high-profile match. Uh, matchup and uh, really a, a great time for uh, UCF softball. Now, not very far away, things not as good for UCF baseball. They go to Cincinnati. They can only get the split against a not very good Cincinnati team. By the way, the baseball game, they moved up because of the threat of inclement weather on Saturday. So it had a, I believe, 10 a.m. start. And I, I started watching that and then left for the spring game. The spring game, the post-spring game media session, that game was still going on, a 20-10 to 10 final UCF in that one, four-and-a-half-plus-hour uh, game. Again, they only get the split, and, uh, you know, they've got the cows this weekend, war on I-4 points up for grabs, and then they go to, I believe they go to ECU, which is one of the best teams in the country, so... Just as we said with beating Wichita State three out of four, they really got to take three out of four against the Cows, or uh, I don't know where the turnaround in this season is going to come. 
Yeah, we, we just can't keep splitting series like this. Obviously, we're, we're kind of in a, in a hole already. We need to start winning some of these series. Uh, and we've seen this before where, uh, you know, we have a good opportunity and, and we, we're not able to capitalize on it. We, we just can't keep splitting series, particularly against teams that we should beat or teams that we had, you know, an advantage on. And uh, uh, the Cows, that's another series we split, you know, what, two weekends ago, I think we split with them. So uh, another series that, you know, goes down the drain. Hopefully we can we can take a, an outright rent, a win on this one because we can't we're not going to make any headway if we keep splitting these series. Yeah, we kept kicking the can down the road. Okay, well, when we get to this series, we should be at 500. When we get to conference play, we need to be at 500. And basically, we're a 500 ball club. This is what we are. We're not, we, we haven't put everything together yet, and it doesn't seem like it's happening anytime soon. Uh, hope for the best, but I, I'm not really expecting much out of this team. Four and four in the league, 14 and 18 overall. The Cows just uh, two and two in league play. They're 12 and 14 overall. Got to take three out of four, but it seems like we say that every week. I saw earlier that Nelson, who, if I'm not mistaken, is pinch hitting for Adam. I don't know why that is. Adam, you messaged me earlier that you're in a walking boot, and based on Mike's standards, that should be enough uh, for you to – uh, participate in the 5k but uh, Nelson's <laughs> question was does anyone know how Gus feels about national championship on the stadium he's been asked about the national championship and he credits UCF for their victory uh, against his then Auburn Tigers in 2017 but I don't believe he has specifically been asked about it appearing in the stadium or his thoughts on that but by the time we see him perhaps in a couple of months that may be a stale question to rehash from the local media but uh, uh, I don't believe he's been asked directly about the, uh, the the words on the stadium, but they're they're not coming down, and they're going to be behind him. So uh, you better get used to it for the for the time in which he's here. Well, here's another one, Trace. This was uh, Brian W. Peterson. Uh, I think we were talking about this earlier. We didn't opine on it uh, particularly, but is this Dylan's mm-hmm. last spring game? Mm-hmm. It's, According it's, to uh, Bukov, possibly. Yeah, he's pointing. He's still he's still on the chat here. He's pointing at something. I think himself. I can't really tell. Like, <laughs> Yes, that's is he now okay, rearranging yes. the closet? Uh, just, hold on, just, just so you, just, let's see the pointing in it, just so we can see. No, there it is. I'm, I'm nodding ahead. I'm nodding that's, ahead. I, I actually think it is his last spring. There he goes at at UCF, especially if he has a good year, because this is a thin class in 2022. I kind of like this, Andrew in the groom. We just bring him in whenever we need something or whatever. I need some comic relief. I kind of like. We can work this out, Andrew. I'm not sure if you're available every Thursday. We'll see if we can work it out. Um. We can make something work. Make something work. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Andrew again, goes, throw in a hat and he'll be yeah. available anytime. <laughs> uh, I, I can be bribed and bought. All right. Well, bye I don't bye, think Andrew. we can get rid of him if we wanted to. Look, <laughs> I'm, I'm, here he goes. He's gone right now, but he's not really gone. That's the thing. He's still here. You can't see him, though. So uh, based on the rules of your show uh, earlier in the week with Jake Brown, does this mean we can let any profanity we want fly? Uh, is that is that the new rules, or, or do we need to give a parental warning before the Sons of UCF Live? We got a little salty, a little salty with Jake Brown on episode 128 of the Sons of UCF pod. Yeah, it was uh, – um... Listen, it was one of the most raw and honest interviews we've heard in a long time. I know his phone was a little bit scratchy at parts there, which which was unfortunate. I mean, I think we thought about even not airing the interview because there were some parts that you probably just couldn't hear very well. But I think the raw honesty that you heard and uh, the emotions he had. And listen, he's the guy who saw it all right from the 2015 doldrums to the to the heights of, of 2017 and then the transition period. Uh, he, he brought some really honest commentary. Uh, I think he was really um 
uh, really transparent in his his thoughts about different coaches and what they brought to the table. And it, it's definitely something if you're a fan of UCF and you've uh, you've enjoyed uh, listening to us over the years. I, I think, Mike, this is probably the most honest interview we've ever had anybody do. But, yes, there are a couple of choice words uh, in here. Some of them you can't really make out because there's too much phone static. So you may luck out and a couple of F-bombs will slip by. You don't even know. But it was just a really raw and authentic interview. And I, I really enjoyed um, Jake's perspective on that stuff. Maybe we need a Jake Brown me? translator in which Mike spells <laughs> out the words when – Jake's audio. No, because no, because then I'm gonna have to like a dump button, like a beep button with Mike here, and I got enough problems when he wants music and he wants stats on the fly. I don't need to be beeping out words too. I got other things to do. When you first told me you wanted to do a podcast, I think my first question to you was, "Can we curse?" curse. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was. We haven't done it the whole time. Jake let a few fly, but that's cool because you you know how he truly feels about situations, and he communicates that way. Then that's fine with me too. The second question was, can I drink during the show? And, and I don't know what you said, Adam, but Mike has clearly uh, uh, seen a green light to do that during shows. So I think Mike's typically good during the podcast. It's the it's the tailgate pregame situation that, that you got to worry about. So podcast nights, I think because he's got softball right now. I, I apparently can't be loaded during softball is my guess. Uh, so uh, I think we're good during these shows. Uh, any sort of pregame situation, I mean, all, all bets are off. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did have a couple of IPAs a couple of episodes ago, but that was okay. But you're right. <laughs> Usually I'm um, straight laced during our shows and then uh, pregame shows, it's up for grabs. I'm tailgating at that point. Yeah. Uh, a note before we leave, uh, men's basketball announcing the signing of P.J. Edwards, a six-bar guard from North Carolina, the uh, second in the 21-2022 recruiting class, joining Darius Johnson. I believe in the uh, media release said the 17th best player in the state of North Carolina. So uh, that's part of Johnny Dawkins recruiting class uh, announced today coming to UCF. First off, I, I really love the specific stats that they have uh, with uh, with the, the rankings of the players. Um, listen, Johnny's brought in the talent. I mean, we've seen him do that. He's brought in players before. We just haven't had a chance to get them all on the court at the same time, actually playing the game of basketball. If we can ever do that, I think then you get a fair shake at evaluating Johnny Dawkins. Is this that year? Hopefully, but he continues to bring in talent. I mean, there's no, there's no denying that. Uh, we just can't seem to get them all together at the same time. Well, that's part of what's so frustrating about it is we have these guys every year. We say, well, Darren Green, this guy looks like he's a player. Isaiah Adams, he looks like he's a player. We, we have them all here. I just want to see it carry to the next level. Mike, I see you wearing your medal. You uh, have run your 5K. What was the time? So I can, uh, I have a standard by which to go by. What's the time <laughs> that you have? What is that you know, I think I could have done a little bit better. And I, and I thought that that's Andrew's line was, was three point one two. Technically, is three point one zero. So I ran a little bit further, which added a few seconds to my time. Here we go. But it was, it was pretty good. It was under twenty four minutes. It was twenty three minutes and fifty six seconds. One, Actually, two, Trace, if, if you don't mind, Trace, I, I do have something I wanted to share with you really quickly. If you don't, if you don't mind, certainly. If you've got a, if you've got a moment, I don't know if you're uh, if you're busy or not. Um, I'm just watching soccer. Uh, Thirty-four well, minutes uh, to go. Maybe nothing. The sons of UCF group. We get Mike off the couch, and uh, maybe we can pull this off. All right, Mike. Now I, I got to tell you, I participated in a five k before. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I actually ran that. So I'll trash talk right now. I can, I can do better than you. So what was your time? What, what Very good. Better than some. 
<laughs> you know the numbers. Say the numbers. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not numbers driven like that. <laughs> All right, uh, so I just said uh -oh. my number. You laid down the gauntlet first. We, now there's proof that you started the trash talking. I've carried it through now for a month. You're up. The I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that the trash talking in general started at that very moment. There may have been <laughs> things that have been said prior to uh, that. But uh, I'm on team Jan and Britt, and I know you won't disparage the queens of the UCF Twitter mafia. Weather dashed our attempt on Sunday, and then I had travel uh, returning today from Houston. So I've got to connect with Jan and Britt and uh, determine a time before uh, before this thing wraps up on Sunday. So I'm on team Jan and Britt. And I know that when we come together next week, no matter what our time, which I'm confident will be better than Adam's time, um, uh, you don't know. Don't tempt me, Trace. I will get out there and re-break this toe. <laughs> no. don't, don't you tempt me. <laughs> Well, if he I, beats I, you in a walking boot, then I don't know what to tell you. Well, you had him beat me in crutches on, on the show earlier. <laughs> I, think, I, think he had him, I think he had him beat me in the crutches. Uh, which, by the way, way the, uh, the thought of a 3.10 uh, uh, on crutches seemed a bit daunting, uh, in, in fairness. Uh, I thought a five, on the armpits, probably. I thought a 5K was 3.13. No, I, I thought it was 3.12. I typed it in this morning after I ran it, and it said 3.106 something. Blah, blah, blah. We need someone to, to help us on this one here. Let's bring it in. Andrew, do you have any idea what a, <laughs> what a, what a 5K is? Uh, I believe it's it's 3.1 and change. Uh, All right. <laughs> sure that clarifies this. All right, thanks for your help, Andrew. <laughs> have a good evening. <laughs> that, that didn't help us. Right. That, that didn't do much for us. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm going to be seeing Andrew in my dreams tonight. I don't think I can get him out of here. You don't, you don't have to wait for your dreams. <laughs> He's right there. No need to wait. No I'm need going to, wait, to hunt you. <laughs> He's right there. No need to wait for your dreams. Oh, and he just will remain in the green room until next yeah. Thursday show. I could, <laughs> I could kick him out. I don't feel like yeah, I could kick him out, but it's just more entertaining. I, I think he's enjoying the show. I don't want to, you know, it's one of those where you call the radio station, you hang online so you can hear the rest of the show. I, I, I enjoy having Andrew down there. Oh, Lonely boy. Bumblebee's coming in with 3.107. Yeah, that's what I said. There's 3.10634, whatever it is, and you round it up to 3.107. On the I right side, we have five different answers here. So if you're really confident that we've got this correct. Well, I ran an extra 0.02 on my time, so can we subtract like I don't know eight seconds? Oh my goodness! You already have a box of hats. Jeez, you just want you, you know you don't want to win there's another a, hat, do you? There's a guy that I already ran way better time than me. I, I saw he ran like nine miles, and he just choked a chunk of three miles out of that thing, and that was his time. And it was way better than mine. But I have the sons of UCF group. I don't know. I, I may be the leader. We need somebody to stop paper. Anybody on the Suns UCF team, please. Somebody, you know, get it. Rent a scooter. I don't care what you got to do. Somebody get twenty three fifty, so we can just we can end this charade already. And Two, I mean, twenty three fifty. You could just drive and do it as long as you had the app running. I mean, it's possible. I know I Jan and Brett are watching right now. Did you hear that? We may drive along the Riverwalk. <laughs> we can do that loop. In the same vehicle. All right. For Andrew Glukov in the green room, Adam and Mike, I'm Trey Strolko. This has been Sons of UCF Live this Thursday. Go Knights, everyone. Charge on. Charge on.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.